shift as we start. Uh, 22 years ago, uh, a couple gentlemen um, named Thomas Stanley and William Danko wrote a book called The Millionaire Next Door. The Millionaire Next Door. And what they wanted to do is they wanted to see, they wanted to research uh, wealthy people and what were their uh, thoughts and attitudes uh, about money. And how did they handle money? And how did they uh, work with the resources that they were given? And so they thought, okay, if, we're, if we want to find rich people, where do we need to go? We need to go to all the big, wealthy, expensive neighborhoods. And so they go to all the big, wealthy, expensive neighborhoods. And when they found there, they were surprised with what they found. They found people with a lot of stuff. But while they had a lot of stuff, they didn't have a lot of money. And so they were confused. They got all this stuff, but why don't they have money? Where were the people that had the money? Because all the people they found in the big, expensive, wealthy neighborhoods, well, they had all the houses and the cars and the toys and the debt, but not money. And so when they began to look for people who had a lot of money, they ended up making their way to a bunch of just normal, everyday subdivisions. More like the, the middle class kind of subdivision. They went there and they found that the people who, who, where all the money was at, they were just your average person. They said, hey, they're like the average millionaire next door. Just, you, they, they did very uh, usual things, but they, were, they did one thing that was quite unusual in today's terms, and that was they lived beneath their means. They they didn't spend every penny that they came, that came in. They found that they often uh, lived in the same house for for many years. That they invested well. That they would buy used cars. That they rarely spent over fifty dollars for a watch. And they, they 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 began to 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 to, to ask them questions and feel what 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 it was that they how it was that they handled their money and they lived by a budget and they followed a budget. See, the bulk of the money that we find in our culture is not wrapped up in the big, expensive neighborhoods, but in just the regular people that we go about, who, who we see going about our day. And they found that often people, oftentimes, the people in the big, showy homes, well, they were pretenders. They were like Mr. David wearing the, the clown hair that he shed all over the floor up here. And they, they would put on a facade, they would put on a mask, they would put on a costume, they would try to be showy, they would, they, would, they would try to be something that they were not. And there are many people in our culture today who are pretenders, pretending to live a lifestyle that they really cannot afford. And if you remember last week, last week we talked about this principle about how God has given every single one of us a business. God has given every single one of us a business that he's given us resources to manage and to, and to handle. And we see it in Scripture that from uh, David writes in Psalm 24 that the earth is the Lord's and everything in it and all who live in it. That God created this world. It was his idea. He dreamed up. He, he, he created. He, he set it in motion and he put it under our dominion, our control to manage. And so he gives us these resources, he gives us these tools, he gives us these things to, to manage. And, the, and so we all have this business to manage a certain portion of God's world that he has blessed us with. And our business is to, to manage them until God takes us home. So how many of us have our own business? All of us should have our hands. If we all have our own business, we're managing what God has given us. And so we saw that last week as we looked at uh, the, the parable of the shrewd uh, manager that, 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 um, that, that, that we, can, we can do two different things with the resources God's given us. We can, we, we, can, we can live out our life one way or another. We can, we can either be wasteful or we can be faithful. 
We can be wasteful or we can be faithful. And the way we steward our stuff reveals the state of our spirit. The way we steward our stuff reveals the state of our spirit, what goes in us and what comes out, our, our thoughts, our desires, our, our motivations. These will dictate the results of how we handle our stuff. How we build our business will show our faithfulness to God. It will show how we pursue him. So for today's discussion, we're going to make our way to the book of Proverbs. And we're going to find our way to, to Proverbs chapter 13. We're actually going to look at two different verses uh, in, in, in Proverbs. And Proverbs is written not like, uh, unlike any other book in the Bible, where usually most of the you know, most of the, 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 the chapters, most of the books of the Bible, you have a, this collection of information that's all together. It's either like a running story or, or uh, these writings about a certain theme all together. But Proverbs, Proverbs is kind of like hit and miss. You read through, and if you read a chapter at a time, you might talk about 12 different topics from all sorts of different areas. And, and sometimes I wish when I read Proverbs that, that, the, that they would have collected all the, like, all the money Proverbs together, all the relationship Proverbs together. All, but then I was thinking, if they did that, and it came around the day to read that verse, I didn't, that, that chapter, and I didn't want to read the, the money ones or the relationship ones. or the, or, or the You just skip that one, right? You say, oh, I, I don't want to do that. I don't want to touch that chapter. That chapter is a, and so, so the way they've got it all spread out, you're just kind of reading along, and all of a sudden, Solomon hits you, right? Because Solomon is a smart guy. He's the son of King David. He ruled uh, Israel after David. He was the third king of Israel. And before he takes the throne, God comes to him in a dream. And he says, Solomon, if I gave you anything in the world, what would you want? And Solomon says, give me wisdom that I might rule your people well. God says you chose wisely because you could have chosen riches and you could have chosen dominion and, and rule over your enemies. But because you chose wisely, I will give you both riches and peace over your enemies. And so Solomon's often thought of as the, the, the richest man to ever live and the wisest man to ever live. And so he put together this collection of teachings that, that's found in our scripture called Proverbs. And, and Proverbs 13, 7 starts off like this. It says, one person pretends to be rich. One person pretends to be rich. One person puts on the outward facade, the outward costume, puts on the, the hair or the hat or the, or the uniform, and they, they pretend to be rich. They pretend to be something that they are not. 22 years ago, when Stanley and Danko, what they, what they found was that those in pursuit of the American dream, well, they often pretended to be something that they were not. They took on more than they could. They built this outward facade of affluence, but they didn't have the fiscal foundation beneath it. Oh, they had the, all the outward appearances, but underneath, uh, things were a little shaky. The outward, the outside looked good, but just below the surface, things were threadbare. And they had so leveraged themselves financially that just a minor emergency might bring the whole house down. Solomon says, one person pretends to be rich, but has nothing. Nothing. And nothing in Hebrew means nothing. Nothing fancy about it. Just like we, 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 we you know, when we, when I, I have nothing, I have, I have nothing in my pockets, right? Nothing. One person pretends to be rich. The outside, the facade looks like there's something there. It looks like there's, uh, there, there, there should be something, but really there is nothing there. And 
They had no emergency fund. They had no nest egg. They had no safety net. And if we've learned anything in life, right, that life will go sideways, right? At some point in life, your life will go sideways and things will crash and things will break down. And if there's anything we learned from, you know, at one point we thought all of our financial systems were going to be foolproof, were going to be safe. And then 2008 hit, right? And then 2009, it just felt like it just kept coming and kept coming. And maybe you you found yourself in a place where you were uh, out of a job. Maybe you found yourself in a place where where financially you were were just touch and go, where things were difficult, where things were shaky. And what we find is that the consequences of living on the uh, the edge, uh, sometimes living foolishly will always have consequences. And, uh, And living on the edge, sometimes we fall over and sometimes we fall and sometimes we break. Solomon says one person pretends to be rich, it has nothing, but another... They pretend to be poor, but have great wealth. And this one can go one of two ways, right? One, you have the person like Scrooge, right? They might pretend to be having nothing. They might be hoarding all their money, hoarding it all for themselves because it's, it's all theirs. This, this is my money, and I'm keeping it for myself, and I'm keeping it for my rainy day. And, and, and they just use their stinginess to accumulate wealth upon wealth upon wealth upon wealth. But then there's the person who lives below their means and stores them away for a rainy day because they might need it, but there also might be someone else in there around them that need it. They might, a, a need might come up in their community. A need might come up um, amongst their friends. And, and because they've saved a little bit away, they can be generous. They can give to those in need. They can respond when a crisis occurs because they've prepared for that day. See, Solomon would say, hey, if you're just hoarding it away for yourself, that's not good. But if your heart is, is inclined, is attuned to those around you, and you save some away, and then that day comes when someone needs it, and you're able to respond generously. We give away some of our resources to help those around us, not for, only for our benefit, which is okay, but also for the benefit of those around us. Solomon says, one person pretends to be rich, but underneath has nothing, but someone Another might pretend to be poor, but have great wealth. If you turn just a page over into, into Proverbs chapter 12, and you, you look there in verse 9, Solomon again has some insights about financial management. First he says, he says, it's better to be a nobody. Better to be a nobody. And that, that, that nobody means someone of a lower position. Some of a lower class, someone who isn't well thought of, who isn't well known, isn't, isn't necessarily, they don't make much of themselves. Better to be a known one who's not glorified, who's not in an exalted position. Because you don't have to be well known to be successful, right? We, you know, if, you, if you watch the news anymore these days, you, we, we routinely see successful, well-known people have their lives implode. And it's not just in business world or the political world, but it's also in the church world as well. There are, there are those who have led and pastored churches for years that have had their life go completely sideways because they made, they made much of themselves and made poor decisions and they were found out. Solomon says, better to be a nobody, better not be thought much of, but have a servant. Better to be not known, but yet have a servant. Now, when we think servant, we, just, we might think more along the lines of a slave or someone who is uh, uh, maybe not paid or not paid very well. 
But what if we looked at this just slightly different? It's better to, to be a nobody, but yet have an employee. You know, if you, you have someone who works for you and, and they do a good job and you pay them a wage, a good wage. That, that's a good thing. It better be a nobody, but not, not only be able to support yourself, but support others as well. It's better to be a nobody, but yet be able to help others than pretend to be somebody and have no food. Better, better pretend to be nobody but be able to help those around you than to pretend to be somebody and have no food. Now, when I think about uh, my daily needs, food's kind of important, right? Anybody here like to eat? Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm a big fan of eating myself. Yeah, when we think of the big three, there's like the air, right? You know, and, and the water and, and the food, right? You know, yesterday, well, uh, uh, six years ago, I, I brought a four-year-old up here on stage to tell you that, that we were going to have a baby, and, 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 and we don't have any grand announcements this year, but that, that four-year-old six years ago, he's now 10, and, and yesterday we celebrated his birthday, and so we had some friends over, and we smoked some meat out in the smoker, and, and there's some leftovers, and, and I'm going to eat those this afternoon for lunch, I'm pretty sure, and, and uh, we, we like food, right? I mean, food's kind of a big deal. I mean, it's kind of hard to, to not Go through, go through life without eating. And Solomon's like, you can pretend to be all you want, but if you pretend to be somebody and you forget to buy food, that's a bad deal. I mean, you're going you're gonna to find yourself hurting physically. If we built up this pseudo life, if we put on a mask and a facade and it keeps us from living an authentic life, it will eventually lead us to destruction. In both these texts, Solomon refers to a pretender, a pretender, someone who gives a false appearance, and he saves his harshest teaching for the one who pretends to make more of himself than he should. And we see that in our country, don't we? I mean, as we look around, we, we tend to have two groups of people, right? We have the haves and the have-nots. And it seems like the haves and the have-nots just keep getting further and further away each year, right? As time goes on, the haves tend to have more and the have-nots tend to have less. But I think there's a third group. Because I don't really think the haves and the have-nots are, are too far apart. But I think there's this third group that kind of messes everything up. You have the haves and the have-nots, and then you have the have-not-paid. Right? You get the haves and the have And those who haven't paid for it, Yet, you know, their, their income can't sustain what they, the, the lifestyle that they're trying to live, and so they go into debt. And, and, and they, they try to keep up that front, they try to keep up that facade, but it keeps coming back to them over and over again. And we, we, we looked at this verse last week, and so we, would you read it together with me? Uh, Proverbs 22, 7 says, The rich rule over the poor, and the borrower this is, see, this is the interactive portion of the sermon. And so, and so I, I'm looking at, I'm looking at, I see some educated people out here who can read along with me. And so, and, and first, first service rocked. I didn't even have to, I could have just like been quiet. It's a, the, the, the second part says, what? And the borrower is, yeah. So if we begin to live this life, if we live out this life where, where we are living beyond our means, all of a sudden it, we're not experiencing financial freedom. 
We're experiencing a bondage that is self-made. We are imprisoning ourselves in a place where we can't live out the life that God's probably calling us to live. To be generous, to be kind to those around us. These, what someone's talking about here, he's talking to the, he's talking about the pretender. Is it wrong to buy stuff? No, we all need stuff, right? I'm like, I'm, I'm glad that everybody, at some point in their life, has gone out to purchase clothing, right? I mean, it'd be, be kind of, if we all showed up and none of us were wearing clothes, that would be kind of be an awkward thing, right? And, and it was cold enough today that, hey, we need some extra clothing to keep us warm, right? Yeah. You know, there's nothing wrong with, is there anything wrong with buying nice stuff? No. No, there's nothing wrong with buying nice stuff. Sometimes spending a little more on something a little bit nicer is, is more effective and more efficient than, than spending money on the cheap thing because the cheap thing might break down so many times that if you just bought the ex- more expensive one, it might have lasted longer. So you gotta, we have to weigh the cost. We have to balance what we have and what we need. So when we purchase things, we have to have an accurate view of the cost. Instead of thinking how much something costs, sometimes we go, how much does it cost per month. Well, can I squeeze this payment into my monthly budget? And when we do so, we become slave to the lender. See, in doing so, we forget about what the real cost is, not just the financial cost, because there's a, there's a tangible cost there, but what about the opportunity costs? If, we, if, if we're paying uh, you know, extra payments on interest and extra payments for, for things that we couldn't afford in the time, what opportunities are we losing? Maybe we're not able to, to give as we would, maybe to, to church or to a, a charity that we enjoy and, and want to support. Maybe uh, th- th- this uh, overpayment on certain things causes stress in our marriage and our relationships. And so we begin to fight and we begin to worry about finances. Maybe it causes us not to be able to give our kids opportunities. Opportunities to, to, to participate in, 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 in sports or groups or, or the arts because we've been stretched so thin and because we've bought things we don't need with money we don't have to impress people that we do not know. And it's left us in bondage and we've played the role of the pretender. And so what is the real cost of unbiblical stewardship? See, a lot of times in America, we tend to think that debt is normal, that debt is necessary. Let me show you just how quickly uh, this mindset has changed. In, in 1929, only 2% of houses had mortgages against them. 98% of houses were owned free and clear. Only 2% of houses had mortgages. But just 40 years later, only 2% of houses had no mortgage. 98% of houses in 1969 had a mortgage against them. Now, Maybe that was a standard of living. Maybe uh, the value of things changed. And, 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 and we, we, we can argue any sorts of things. But I think somewhere in there, our mindset about money and finances has, has changed to where we, become to, we begin to think that debt is, is normal. What is, so what is the real cost of running debt? How, how much do you think the average American owes in credit card debt? So the, the different statistics may say different things. The one, the one I found was that somewhere around $6,800. Somewhere just over $6,800. I'm looking around going, I, I know that we don't have, may have any uh, ongoing credit card debt. I'm going, I, th- I think there's several here who don't. So I'm going, man, if, if there's several of us here who don't, 
what does that mean for some people who do? What's that mean? What's that doing to their life? But if we just take just the average, if you paid just the minimum payment on that $6,800 of credit card debt, it would take you 25 years to pay it off. And you would pay somewhere nearly four times the amount of the balance. Somewhere around $28,000 into the red. But what if, what if we took that same $6,800 and we began to make the same sort of payments? We, 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 have, we take over the same 25-year time frame and, and, and we uh, put it into some sort of financial vehicle where we would earn maybe about 10% on average. At the end of that same 25 years, you would have 82000 to the good. It's about $100,000 worth of difference just by a wise use of our finances. So what if, what if we chose not to live like everyone else? What if we chose to live differently? Not just going and buying whatever it is that we want whenever we want it, but what if we, what if we choose not to mortgage our future for a taste of instant gratification today? What if we go through our life living prayerful lives? Making decisions based on God's plan for us, having a plan and having some self-discipline. We begin to see how God, we can use the financial resources God has given us to benefit not ourselves, not just ourselves, but all others. Does anyone here have any pets? Anyone here got pets? Yeah, we don't, we don't have pets. We have children. But pets and children are the same, right? I mean, there's the... I don't want to get in trouble, but there's a lot of similarities. And we have a lot of children in here today. And so we, we, we love you. But there's sometimes that it's, it's a toss-up, right? And so but you, for both pets and children, you have to train them, right? You have to train them. You know, where to go to the bathroom, right? You know, how to eat, where to eat, how we, you know, how, how we do the and what, what, what's our routine, what's our schedule. And the same is true with our money. Same is true with our money. We have to train our money and tell it where to go. We do this by creating a budget. We do this by, by creating and living by a budget. Solomon said this. He says, like a city whose walls are broken through is a person who lacks self-control. So if we lack self-control financially, we're going to see our financial house fall down. The walls of our world will come crashing in if we do not live financially with some form of self-control. And so we, we have to, so that's where, it's not just creating a budget. Look, I've got a budget, but we also have to learn to live by it and, 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 and process it and, and, and be able to live within those means. The research from the millionaire next door said those who achieved financial freedom did so by spending less than they earned. And so we train our money and we develop self-control as we develop a budget and we live our life by it. Solomon said this, and we looked at it a little bit last week. He says, the plans of the diligent lead to profit as surely as haste leads to poverty. The plans of the diligent lead to profit. When we plan out our, our finances. When we live by our budget, it leads to profit. But when we live a life of haste, it leaves us in poverty. P.T. Barnum is quoted as saying this, money is an excellent servant, but a terrible master. 
Money is an excellent servant, but a terrible master. We, 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 we don't, uh, our money does not lead and direct and guide our life. Money is a terrible master, but as a great servant, as a tool that God has given us to serve those who are around us. And so today we say, if you walk away with nothing, walk away with this, that money is not our master. And here's what I mean by that. When we live for the pursuit of material things, when we allow money to drive our life, what we do is we functionally take God off the throne. Say, God, th- th- that's your rightful place up here, throne, leader of my life. Because I'm going to take you off the throne. I'm going to put you over just for a time because I'm going to chase after this. And we choose to not worship the creator, but we chase after created things. And we worship the created things rather than the creator. And we say, say God, I'm just going to set you down here just for I'm going to, we're going to pursue this for a while. Whenever our life, whenever our priorities get out of whack like that, we see our life begin to get shaky. We begin to live in haste and we begin to, to, to see destruction and hurt and ruin come to our life. And when we do this, it's called sin. And sin separates us from a loving God, a loving Father. But all hope is not lost. For we can be restored. Because see, God could not stand to be apart from us. And so he sent Jesus to die to restore his original image in us. Anybody like those home improvement shows? You walk in and you see like, like this house, it's just like, it's like bombed out. And it's like, it, there's mold and mildew. And, this, and like by the end of the episode, all of a sudden it's like this grand mansion. That, that doesn't happen for free. It takes real money to do that. Uh, so some some friends of ours in town they they, they uh, just uh, bought a, a, a new house and it was it needs some it needs some work. And last weekend we moved them into their new house and and as we moved them in and we saw all the work that they they've they been able to do in, in updating and getting it fixed back up because it's like some squatters had lived there and there's a lot of stuff that just been destroyed in the house and we walked in as we're moving stuff in and we're like oh don't touch the walls right you. You know, hell hath no fury like a woman scorned. And you, you know, if I damage the wall, I might get killed. And so we're, you know, I took stuff to the basement. I'm like, I'm on basement duty. I, I, can, I can take that down there. But that happened for free. And so God looked at us and he said, they, they've separated. And he said, I have two options. One, all my creation, all my children, they can just go to hell forever because of their sin. Or I can count and consider the cost of what it would take to restore them back to their original image. He considered the cost, and he saw that it was worth it, and he put all of our sins on the back of his son, Jesus. And he bore our sins on the cross, and he bled and died for us, that we might have forgiveness. And then on top of that, he rose Jesus from the dead, that we might have hope of life eternal with him. See the restoration process? allows us to live authentically. We don't have to put on airs. We don't have to be someone we're not because we are already approved by God through Christ. And so we are free to be who God has made us to be. And so today, you don't have to pretend. You don't have to pretend. Our world prefers a genuine ob- the genuine article anyway. We want, they want the real thing. And so when we pretend to become less than who God has made us to be, we begin to chase after the lesser gods of this age. As we chase after them, we pull ourselves further and further away from what God, who God has made us to be. We, less and less of his image is reflected in us. When we pretend, we live outside of our true selves, who God has uniquely made us to be. And this can lead us to ruin. When we pretend to be something, when we pretend to have more than we do, it can lead our lives to financial ruin. 
So how do we live differently? How do we make, make sure that money is not our master? First, we have to make a plan. First, we have to make a plan. You know, it's, it's our job to tell our money where to go instead of sitting back and wondering where it went. It's our job to tell our money where to go instead of sitting back and wondering where did it all go, where, did, where, where it went. When we live by a plan, when we live by our budget, when we begin to live, we begin to see ourselves living in the financial freedom God wants us to have, to be wise stewards of the resources he's put at our disposal. When we do this, it might mean we have to say no to some good things, some things that are fun, some things that we'd enjoy. We have to say no to some good things so we can say yes to the best things. We have to say no to some things that, that really we might want to do, but, but by doing this, we might, the sacrifice, the, the real cost might keep us from doing and engaging and being a part of things that would really be the best things for us. So we have to make a plan. We have to make a plan because when we make a plan, it might give us the opportunity to be a blessing. I know it's trite, but I think it's true that we are blessed to be a blessing. God has blessed us. God has given us resources. He's given us gifts and abilities and time and talent and treasure to be a blessing to those who are around us. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 4, he says, it is required that those who have been given a trust must prove faithful. Well, I think this, in the context, I think it's speaking mostly about the gospel. I think it's also true about finances. He's given us a a trust. He's given us resources. He's given us uh, uh, financial things to, to, to financial means to to purchase things for our life. But we can be either wasteful with them, or we can be faithful. We can use them for our good alone, or we can use them for our good and the benefit of others. The, the way we use our finances, we can show ourselves faithful to God, that He might be glorified through them. Now imagine, imagine if we all began to live this way. Imagine the freedom you might feel living debt-free. Imagine the joy you'd feel because you were gen- able to be generous. So when we reject the desire to be something we are not, then we are free to be our genuine selves, to reflect, reflect God's image in us. And we're able to live truly free that leads us to more authentic living. We can put the pretender behind us. See, authentic living is more attractive to those who are around us than pretending to be someone we are not. Leaves us in a better place so we can be generous not only to God, but to those who are around us. Instead of trying to keep up with those around us, well, maybe we just need to start acting our wage so we can be generous with the blessings that God has given us. Let's pray. Father, I thank you. I thank you that you have given us hope. Thank you that you have given us resources and that we might be blessed ourselves. That, Father, you would have given them to us that we might purchase things for our life. Father, tools and, and opportunities and, and, and events that, that help, can help grow and shape us. Father, I, I, I thank you that you've given us resources that we are able to be generous with those around us. Father, you might be glorified through us. 
that we might be able to use these resources to point other to you, others to you, that they may see and know you for who you are and the, the sacrifice you've made for them. They may come and find real life, new life in you because of how we've managed the gifts you've given us. Father, I pray that today that we would learn to live by a plan, that we would make a plan, that, we, that our plan would, would glorify you, that, Father, we would live our life differently than those who are around us. Father, they may see and know you because how we've aligned ourselves with you. Father, the way we handle our finances is not about making ourselves rich. It's not about making much of us. Father, money is not our master. We don't chase after things of, of this world that are just a bit temporary. Father, we know that the, finance, the, the way we use our finances can reveal the status and nature of our heart. So Lord, I pray that you would would convict us today that we might live more authentically, more in line with you, that you'd receive the glory and the honor that we, as we receive the freedom and the joy of being generous with what you've given us. Father, would you shape our heart, you shape our life, that we might live in freedom for you. Bless in Jesus' name, let it pray. Amen. Maybe today you come and you you've not yet experienced spiritual freedom. Maybe you've not yet experienced freedom in Christ and so maybe today you're like, these things sound good but yeah, I got all this baggage, all this hurt and I need to experience that freedom. We're going to sing a song here in a moment. I want to invite you to, to come and to accept Christ for the first time. You begin to put that hurt and that past behind you and begin to live in the new life that Christ has called you to live. new life he desires for you to live in. And maybe today you're living in financial bondage. You're like, I, I, the, 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 the call of instant gratification has been so great in my life that that, that, that my financial house is built on shaky ground. Maybe today you, you need to come and begin to seek that freedom. Like you pray that God would give you the wisdom that is needed to make wise choices that instead of living in instead of living in hurt, instead of living in the bondage, you can live in the freedom and the generosity and the joy that God wants you to have. Maybe today you come and you're like, I'm looking for a church home. A place where I can put down some spiritual roots and grow together as God's people. And I've said it many times, if we're not a perfect church, but we serve a perfect God. If we're not perfect people, you stick around long enough, you're going to see our warts because we can't hide them forever. We can cover them up as best we can, but we're in pursuit of a holy God. He's at his best when he's shaping and remaking us to be like that. If you want to be part of a group like that, we'd love to have you. As we seek and pursue a relationship with Him. That first starts with the freedom that He bought for us at the cross. If you need to accept that freedom today, would you meet me here in the front as we stand and as we sing?
I'm in my 